gentlemen, welcome to the Spice Island, where music helps people get into the groove as the weekend begins. Break the silence, stop the violence. In a hip strip night spot at the south of the island, a reggae band plays deep message music. Stop the violence. Good times are tougher, streets are cold, and the world is getting strange. So much heads are turning, eyes run wild, wondering who's to blame. Well, it's the people who give us the answers to our problems when it's too late. So we got to stand for righteousness in order to be dying. In the Eastern Hills, a rising star performs an eclectic mix of pop, soca, and RB. She have a good eye on Mr. Walker. Mama said, I want him. It's half time for the fun. It's half time for the laughing. Time for we learn. It never have time for time wasting. It's half time for the melee. Time for the love. But when it comes to the boys, you have all the time in the world. Hey, hey. Little girl, watch where you go. Mama said, I want to embarrass her. Stay on the road and come right home. Mama said, I want to embarrass her. And in the capital, a respected Calypsonian laments the reluctance of youth to revitalize the agricultural sector. About the young men of this country. Some of them sitting down on the block Saying they can get work and they want money But I heard that old timer say It's a plenty work in agriculture Hello, Georges Collini with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRX. On today's show, Calypso, Reggae and Jab Jab Soca, Musical Resistance in Grenada to explore how the Grenadian music scene has reacted to the island's turbulent history and how its relative stability has allowed for new hybrid expressions. We are a people familiar with struggle, fought many a battle.
Michael Prince's recent Calypso, That's Who We Are, speaks to Grenada's history of struggle and resilience. Producer David Katz traveled there to learn more. Home to 110,000 people, Grenada and sister islands Caricou and Petite Martinique lie at the southern end of the Lesser Antilles in the Eastern Caribbean, 100 miles north of Trinidad and northeast from Venezuela's coast. To better understand Grenada's past and present challenges, I spoke to Wendy Grenade, a daughter of the soil who is senior lecturer in political science at the University of the West Indies Cave Hill campus. They told us from a European perspective that Columbus discovered Grenada, but we know in fact that there were indigenous peoples here, and I think it's time for us to be retelling our story from our perspective. So the history is a colorful history, a history about European conquest, a history about resistance. It's a mixture of hostility, resistance, and overcoming. Grenada's long colonial phase was defined by exploitation. The early Europeans settled and created a society that was very much based on extraction of resources using enslaved labor. And we moved through time, and much of that didn't change. Grenada was a place that was very polarized, very divided, as other Caribbean countries in terms of the legacy of class and race and gender injustices. The long march to independence really begins in the 1950s, when trade union leader Eric Gary galvanized popular resistance. Eric Gary is a very controversial figure. Uh, he came from a, a rural village in St. Andrew, went to Aruba, worked in the oil industry there, got involved in trade unionism there. And when he came back to Grenada around 1949, he met a country where 98% of the population were of African descent. And there were still on plantations, even if slavery had ended. The conditions that persisted very much mirrored the conditions of enslavement. People were working for very low wages, under poor conditions. There was no trajectory for upward movement for the predominantly Black population in Grenada. So the context and the conditions were right for someone to come in as an advocate, as a messiah, really. Gary precipitated a social revolution in 1951, was elected premier in 1967, and became the first prime minister of the new nation when Grenada finally achieved its independence from Britain in 1970. And he came and he formed his trade union and the people embraced him because they were looking for hope. Because although emancipation had happened, people were not free. So Eric Gary provided the leadership that the working people needed. And many of our grandparents would have told us the stories of Sky Red. It happened in 1951, where the workers of the plantation, the very poor and marginalized in Grenada, they retaliated against the planter class. So they burnt down some of the pillars of the establishment. When he started, he had progressive politics for his time. The Grenada United Labour Party, led by Eric Gary, really represented the interests of the majority working people of Grenada. So that dynamic was reflected in the electoral outcomes, where the, a very small group representing the remnants of the planter class were the mass base of the Grenada National Party. But Gary had dictatorial tendencies. He was alleged to practice sorcery and lobbied the United Nations to study UFOs. Mm. Gary had no tolerance for dissent. Just as the colonials before him did not have tolerance for dissent, he did not democratize the state that he pushed back against during the colonial times. 
So the authoritarianism that he inherited from the colonials, he continued. So yes, you would have heard about the secret police, the Mongols gang, and the repressive way in which he used state power. In the era before him and the era after him, there perhaps was greater militarization. But yes, he did become very dictatorial, although he never, ever turned his back on the working class. So their deathbeds, people like my grandmother would say, after God, it's Erigiri. But the generations after my grandmother started to question, what is the quality of independence? What is the quality of our democracy? Are we free? And Erigiri was found wanting. Should have been over so long ago. Near the fishing port of Granville on Grenada's east coast, Moss International were prominent producers of original music from the mid-70s. Bassist Leon Charles says that Slaves Living in Luxury, from their 1978 debut, Can It Be, commented on the shortcomings that followed Grenada's independence. We recorded the album in Trinidad, and uh, the engineer says, you guys singing that kind of lyrics, I can't understand why Gary is still in power in Grenada. So what he was saying is that we have gained our constitutional freedom, but things were not much different in terms of our autonomy as countries. So we're talking about the whole question of the neocolonialism. People like the United States would tell you what to do as a country. So we may have improved our material conditions. Some classes may have better homes now, earn some more money. But as a country, we were not yet free to choose what kind of path we wanted to take. So therefore, we were still slaves from that perspective. And living in luxury was a juxtaposition we used just to highlight the fact that, yes, you may have been materially better, but not necessarily better from the perspective of your national individual freedom. Wendy Grenade says that post-independence, various grassroots liberation movements coalesced to challenge Gary's dominance. Many of the leaders of the New Deal movement would have studied in North America and Europe. They returned to Grenada, having been a sort of educated class, and they are questioning the quality of democracy. And you had people like Eunice Whiteman, um, who was involved in a more rural uh, St. David's-based movement for justice, um, the Jewel, and then you had Maurice Bishop and others in a more St. George's urban area with Mark. And they merged, both forces merged to form the New Jewel movement in 1973. And at the 1976 general elections, strange bedfellows nearly unseated Gary. The New Jewel movement merged with the Grenada National Party, and they performed very well electorally in the 1976 election. The GNP was representing the elite class the revolutionaries realized that they couldn't win an election without the GNP support. So it was a marriage of convenience. 
I don't know that we have the evidence, but I believe that it was a rigged election in 1976. And of course, they continue to struggle against Gary's dictatorship. And the more they resisted, the more Gary said, no, I'm in control. And he used state power and they resisted. And there was a struggle. Just as had happened in 1951 with Gary and the colonials, we seen again a clash. Authoritarianism, resistance. Oppression, resistance. Hence the 1979 revolution, March 13th. Flying Turkey's Freedom Day. This was one of the many Calypso songs supporting the overthrow of Gary by Grenada's revolutionary forces with their agenda of empowerment. When the revolution occurred, it was about transformation. I remember the morning, the first speech Morris Bishop gave, he said, this revolution is for food, it's for work, it's for decent housing, it's for education. For the ordinary Grenadian working class, that was the language that we understood. And the revolutionaries didn't come to you and say, we're socialists. For working people, it was about how do you get access for food, for decent health. And I think when we look at some of the achievements of the Green Revolution in that very short period, whether we're speaking about housing projects and farm roads and school for agriculture, whether we're speaking about the marketing and national importing board, because it was a strategy to transform Grenada in that large quest to complete our freedom. It was about how do we link education and agriculture to a new tourism? How do we ensure that we link education to liberation? Some people will sit on their bottom and wait for a change to come. All that prefer to wait on a miracle Before they join some kind of struggle But history has proven Laws of nature too In order to pull you There must be a struggle Man listen, stone it, man to misery and torment Struggle against his environment Ever since that day of creation Mankind has been struggling on So if you want to get rid of oppression and exploitation You got to struggle on, yes man If you want to get an education or build a strong nation You got to struggle on, and on and on and Hailing from rural Ladigue in eastern Grenada, the Calypsonian Black Wizard captured the optimism of the movement in a song called Struggle, released in 1980. 
my parents will be right. And when Bishop and him came on the scene and started to talk something different, they were able to capture the attention of the young folks. So for those who didn't understand politics, they might have seen it just as an anti-gay show. But I think um, they were looking at a different path to development, a socialist party, a Marxist-Leninist. But um, what I'm trying to say in the song is that we can't just sit idly by and expect things to change. You know, we have to struggle if we want to achieve anything. A lot of people crying out for change But they wouldn't have to rearrange In any endeavor In order to conquer Struggle without falter Is the only answer Man remember Stone is man to misery and From backwardness and oppression Deliberation education and production now that we're free we have to fight illiteracy we need education to increase our production Comrade Bishop said for 1980, education and production. We are hardworking people, as everyone knows. So let us produce a little bit more. Long live free Grenada. Forward ever, backward never. Wendy Grenade reminds that, in the early 1980s, post-revolution Grenada was flourishing in terms of industry, literacy, women's rights, and personal agency. We also had an asphalt plant. Our manufacturing sector was thriving. We were making saltfish, and we were making nectars from, from guava and mangoes. There was state planning, but Grenada never had a planned economy. It was a mixed economy where you had the state, you had cooperatives, you had the business sector. And in terms of women's empowerment and gender justice and the legislation that, that was passed, whether it's maternity leave law or other legislation, to really create some kind of gender justice in the society. I think that was very important. Then Maurice Bishop always said, we are nobody's backyard and we're not for sale. But we welcome all the good ones to come, but on our terms, of course. So it was a new tourism. I was told as a secondary school child, Grenada is yours. You would keep it clean, not for the tourists, but for you first. And then who come? They would then enjoy what is yours. So sovereignty and patrimony were very important. But there were downsides to Grenada's new utopia. That was the contradiction of the revolution. It got the economy right, and they got the society right, but it got the politics so wrong. Because even as we were having a kind of grassroots democracy, you had censorship, you had people were detained without trial, you had human rights violations, and it was a, a culture of fear. I was part of a Pentecostal household, and we would be going to church on Sundays, and some of the soldiers on the ground would be saying to you, oh, so you feel you could go into church and pray against the revolution? There were human rights violations, even as we were empowering women, even as education was being transformed, and even as the economy was being diversified and it was growing. People were sitting in jail cells without trial and being tortured. So it was a moment where I like to say it was the best of times. 
It was the worst of times. The revolution collapsed on October 19, 1983, after a hardline faction led by Deputy Prime Minister Bernard Cord placed Maurice Bishop under house arrest. Locals attempted to free Bishop, who was killed, along with several supporters, including two cabinet ministers, thus paving the way for military action by the United States. The U.S. got support from conservative Caribbean regimes in countries like Jamaica, Dominica, and Barbados. The Americans claimed that Goneda's new airport could become a Cuban-Soviet military base and vowed to protect American students attending Grenada's St. George's University. We were stuck about an international airport. We were not concerned about Cold War politics and the USSR and the United States. An international airport meant opportunities. It meant a larger reach to the world. For ordinary Grenadians, it wasn't about the Soviet Union wanting a base. So there were different worlds, different realities simultaneously existing. So when we think about the invasion of Grenada, some people call it an intervention, some people call it an intervasion. I call it an invasion because it was a violation of international law. And the United States came into Grenada to make a point that America has returned. Reagan definitely was power, power politics. And in the Cold War context, was about dominance, it was about hegemony, it was about conquest. So for me, it was a violation of sovereignty. But in a very contradictory way, many Grenadians welcomed the invasion and they saw it as a rescue mission. Black Wizard remembers the challenging aftermath. I was in Trinidad at the time. Well, I came back a couple of months after, and I know one of the American soldiers and so still here, and you could feel that summer kind of mood in the country, you know, and it, so it took a while before people came back to, to normalcy. Apparently, part of the process was to reorient Grenada's main political parties to be less defined by ideology. There was an occupation for a period, and Grenada had an interim government. By 1984, there was an election. Gary had returned to Grenada, and he still had mass support from his followers. But what we had was an amalgamation of sort of centrist parties came together under the influence of the United States and Caribbean leaders, and they formed what was the new national party. And the electoral outcome was that Gary won one seat, and the amalgamated parties, which had a pre-election arrangement, they won 14 seats. If it were a case where they, they did not have that amalgamation, Gary would have clearly won that election. And by 1987, that NNP split. There were factions in the party, and they formed what we know today as the National Democratic Congress. So we've had splintering and crisscrossing and a very unstable post-revolutionary party politics. Grenada is such a beautiful country Where comfort so much black makers of history Man, I show that many people will agree If I say she's blessed by the Almighty Oh God The standard of skills and talent we there in this land It is too much for me to mention yeah. The level of education Keep rising to higher heights And if I'm wrong
Against this shifting backdrop, a new Calypso King emerged in Grenada in the late 1980s. Hailing from Mama Can in the hills of eastern Grenada, a Jammu honed his craft in Trinidad with Sparrow and Lord Kitchener before taking the Grenadian music scene by storm. And his 1988 anthem, My Grenada, proclaimed unwavering loyalty to his homeland as the island tried to find the best way forward. When the revolution come and crash, we were like a ship without a rudder. And I think that opened up to a lot of selfishness from other politicians who didn't really have that kind of revolutionary thinking. They sell out to certain things. But fortunately now, I think Grenada is a very steadfast place. Ajamu says he wrote the song to counter negative stereotypes. They had a certain newspaper in Grenada. It seemed to me at the time that they would look for like all the most negative about what happened in the country and they would put the spotlight on that. But I think even in the real world, that's not the right approach. I think you should keep maybe a calm tone about the things that would cause damage. And then those things that would inspire people or a country, we should blast it out on a loudspeaker, you know? <laughs> and up till now, this has been one of the most celebrated songs in terms of a patriotic song from Grenada. My Grenada was recorded at the studio that the keyboardist Don Charles of Moss International conceived at the family home, which allowed local artists to record professionally without traveling to Trinidad or Barbados, as Leon Charles explained. In Trinidad, we were paying by the hour, so we felt it made most sense to have a studio at home, which would give us the opportunity to work with less time pressure. So we began work on the studios using an empty bedroom in our parents' home. It was the first of its kind in Grenada, and at the time it was the only studio in Grenada. It may not have been the most sophisticated, but it gave us an opportunity to capture what we were doing at the time and to be able to play it on the radio. Oh yeah, we did cassettes and grinding. Small quantities, 50 to 100 a batch. So the music was not able to be consistently played throughout the country. allowed Moss International freedom to experiment. Their 1989 hit, La Bay Music, introduced Zouk elements to the Grenadian music scene. La Bay is a French expression. It was the name of Grenville at one point in our history. Grenada had a very strong French roots, and we then began to experiment with the French orientation in, in the rhythm. So we wanted to define the music we were doing as La Bay Music. So that was really an attempt to stay true to our roots, our cultural roots, our historical roots, and to play music that reflected some of that root. Grenada's Calypsonians continued to tackle the most serious subjects head-on, 
You can hear it in this 1989 epic from Black Wizard, naming the inevitable strings attached to the structural adjustment programs offered by overseas institutions. All your third world countries, you really feel in this Just be prepared to privatize If you really want my money Devalue the currency Like Grenada government Institute retrenchment And do you cry for museum death Because I am the IMF I've developed over the years The socio-political mind I'll always function on these things I was reading about the IMF You care about how they am then now Places like Mexico and Trinidad and Jamaica and so they would have loaned them money and then there was really no progress because there's stringent conditions. We had to do some retrenchment and all that. But well, that is the role of a Calypsonian. Take something, expand on it, or give it a different twist. Coming up, Grenadian dancehall, pop and R&B, plus the distinctive offshoot known as Jab Jab Soca. Don't forget to visit afropop.org to discover more music from Grenada. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRX. We're back with producer David Katz, tracing strands of Grenada's popular music. During the last several decades, the subgenre of Jab Jab Soca has become the sound most closely associated with the island. The form is tied up with the Juve morning celebrations that open Carnival, where masqueraders paint their bodies black, typically with engine oil, roaming the streets to the sound of drums and blown conch shells, with horns and chains completing the picture. Ian Charles of production outfit Jambalassi Grenada offers more. Jab Jab is deeply rooted in African culture, a practice in which black people get their bodies black with whatever, maybe it might be molasses, maybe it might be charcoal, maybe it might go as far as oil engine or attire. But the idea now is to mock the oppressive nature of how being a slave is. So you might have a chain, chain represents the bondage, shackles, 
but the drums is critical because the drums is what kept it going. The drums is how they really communicated with each other. Jab Soka is ubiquitous, but its rise was gradual. As noted in the documentary The Story of Jambalasi and the Making of a Musical Subgenre, the first Jab Jab song was created by Moss International in response to the change of government that saw the National Democratic Congress defeat the new National Party in 1990, with little tangible effect for ordinary Grenadians. In addition to lamenting the lack of change, the song emulated the rhythm of jab-jab drums, incorporated a conch shell, and included jab spelling, a call-and-response chant with alternate meaning. <laughs> Jamalasi rule actually came from an idea from Singing MC. It was the year after national political election in 1990. And uh, even though there had been a change of government, it's the same damn thing than what we had before. Now, same damn thing is a phrase used by Jam. So we decided, okay, if we're going to be commenting from a Jam perspective, then we needed to have the rhythm right. We needed to do it with the shell. We needed to include all the elements of Jam with also the spelling, the spell words in a very provocative manner. For example, we have one where we say spell economy. And then if you listen, the spelling for economy is the bridge of movement, the bridge of system, and kill them with 13 taxes. The minister of finance was called Mr. Brisson at the time. And one of the things he did in the economy, which was very unpopular, is that he passed 13 taxes. The National Democratic Congress remained in power until 1995, when the new National Party returned under Dr. Keith Mitchell. Mitchell would remain at the helm into the 2020s, except for the NDC's second tenure from 2008 to 2013. Wendy Grenade highlights some characteristics of each party. The new National Party has an appeal to the Grenadian poor. The National Democratic Congress has an appeal to the middle class. It says its mission is about good governance, transparency and accountability. I think they accuse the NNP of being a handout government in that you disempower people by making them dependent on the state. But I think the NDC does not sufficiently pay attention to Grenada's poor. So on the one hand, you may have one party who is compensating too much and disempowering. And on the other hand, another party who is too disengaged. What can it be? Like the password is kill me. Job Bossy Day. I said, where the job job Bossy Day? 
The next big Jab Jab hit arrived in 1999 in the form of Talpri's controversial Old Woman Alone, an early recording produced by Nordley Frederick that became his breakthrough hit. Talpri explained that he recorded it as a follow-up to an earlier song that celebrated other traditional carnival masqueraders. I fell in love with the old mass, the traditional mass. In 1998, I did Pongnerize. It was sort of for the wild Indian mixed with the Veco and the Shotney. The wild Indian would play mass with the feathers and the paint of this, portraying old mass like the Indians. The Shotney, they would dress up in a lot of pretty cloth with bells on their feet with a mask over the head so you, you can't tell who is in there. The Veco with the wooden shoes and when they stamp up the ground making a lot of noise, right? And then I said, wait, but Jab Jab is bigger. It's, it's what everyone into in Grenada, playing Jab. Old Woman Alone, it was basically for the Jab Jab and it just took off. This is Jab Jab, Dolpri's massive duet with Michelle Montano. This song raised Grenada's soca status big time. That song with Michelle Montano, in 2000 I did it with him. Then Alison Hines from Barbados wanted a piece of it basically, so I did a combination with her. So from there on, people, the interest into the music was massive. It was established that Jab Jab music is like a, a sub-genre of music from Grenada. I believe in, in the Jab Jab, I believe in the culture, I believe in the music itself. And in the regular soca songs, people would not even go and touch these topics. Jab is fearless and people fall in love with that. Woke up feeling like the greater. I don't ever want to be like. So me go on in everything that I do. I'll be put the walk in, cut and go through. Get the tunes them on your playlist. Get the vibes when you hear this. Make your zone out, turn up with your crew. Hit you with some fresh styles, brand new. Sing tunes to make the girl them pain up. Hospital are with no for them pain up. I know you know me for the tunes about the job them. But it's about to be some new set of them. Talpri's last album, Valley of Vibes, was something of a departure that incorporated electronic elements. 
Made with the producer known as Expert, it was recorded on the sister isle of Karakou, whose rich musical culture we hope to explore more fully in a future program. Mr. Killer is another Jab Jab devotee who began in dancehall before making a successful switch to soca. His innuendo-laden 2002 single, Wood Kian Dan, was a breakout track midway between the two genres. I started as a clash artist. You know, it was the bounty killer kind of running the place. So I found my way into Trinidad to record a song called The Wood Can Done. It was a massive tune. I think it was my real introduction, making the statement that he's not just a dancer artist, he's a soca artist. Raised in the western fishing village of Guave, Mr. Killer reached a turning point in 2006 after keeping bad company in New York. Determined to turn his life around and to make his music more distinctive, he began infusing soca with elements of his Shango Baptist upbringing, as heard on the song Warriors, another breakthrough hit. My mother is spiritual Baptist, and growing up in somewhere like Grenada, you know, there have been so much infiltration of the mind teaching us that our religions and our faith from Africa is not the right path. So growing up being Baptist has always been a challenge until I came to really understand our groundedness, our roots, and how powerful it is. I'm a professional African hand drummer. I've been doing it from since I was the age of five. I love it because it teaches me how to stamp the earth beneath me and let the world shake and feel my vibration as the elephant too. And the Trap Warrior came in a very special and powerful time in my life. I think I was at the junction. And if you go listen to my songs properly, you're going to realize my soca songs then almost turn into gospel music. Hello, hi, me and my friend, Mr. 
shots, so I take some shots. When I'm on the dick, really turns the smart. I heard a voice talking in my head. He said, go to the bed, you can't go to your bed. So I said, who is talking and where you're from? The voice tell me, my name is Mr. Rum. You hear the iron? That means it's dark. Don't let nobody style you. Mash it up flat. Tell me, pick up something. Anything. Rum, tell me to grab something. Mr. Killer's biggest hit was 2019's Run With It, a jab-jab tune that impacted internationally, crowning him Soka Monarch in Trinidad, a rare feat for a non-Trinidadian. Run With It is a monstrous show. It is fueled by the jab energy. And jab is not just a masquerade. Jab is a warrior. There were tribes in Africa, like the warriors will paint themselves in coal dust in the black. And they will put the horns on the head, making the enemies think that they are cattle in the night. Now jab jab for us means freedom. We are not afraid of the devil and we represent the black. Jab is big, jab is bad, jab is furious, jab is love at the same time. And just like the Baptist religion, when we blow the conch shell, we speak to our spirit called Olokun, the spirit of the deep. We call those that they have thrown overboard to rise again. So the shell to the jab calls to the, the spirit of the deep. You understand? Such success allowed Mr. Killer to give back to his community through the creation of his own recording studio and radio station. We as Grenadian artists have struggled to really own in the industry. A lot of companies came along, signed us up, and we wouldn't collect no money for royalties and all of those things. As a matter of fact, we didn't even really understand the business part of it. So the first thing when I found success, I built a building in my community, three floors, and I did a radio station and a state-of-the-art studio. We give free recording to some other artists that we may not be able to afford. And now the umbrella that I have is called I am rebel and now we are taking on board like younger artists and people supposed to learn from people's experience and I think my experience could definitely teach somebody else. Mr. Killer tends to leave local politics out of his music, but in a recent social media post, he lamented a lack of clear leadership during the pandemic. After a week and something passed and I realized the government not giving out no food, I started panic for my people. Together with a lady in the back street with a little shop next to my studio, it's 286 families I jump out and feed. And in that time, I did not see my leaders. I did not see them. We have damaged a whole generation without we even knowing. And what are we doing to fix it now that the place is opening back up? Everybody's studying their pocket and nothing for the youth. So that has been my problem, and that's why I address it publicly. Remember your roots. Remember your tradition. We put in a job in Parliament. Jamalasi ruling this land. It's about time when you hear the horn. Meanwhile, Everything has come full circle with Jab Jab Soka, thanks to Leon Charles' nephew Ian, whose Jambalasi Grenada project has revived Moss International's pioneering work for contemporary audiences. 
one thing that we always do for Jambalasi Grenada is taking some of Martha's old music. And we did a project where we made it into a rhythm and we got today's artists like Skinny Banton, Jabbing to ride the rhythm now. the plane it's so easy to breathe again life in the big city has finally took its toll and it's been so long but i'm finally home and what better place to rest my weary bones than on this beautiful island where there's so much to see Every corner I turn, there's something that to remind me of my beautiful nation and what it means to me. Not a thing out of place, that's what's special about it. And do you hear? It's the sounds the birds are singing. Do you hear? Rising star Sabrina Francis with This Is Home. By this time, a new generation of Grenadian artists are exploring other avenues. Soca may dominate the airwaves, and reggae is always popular. But some artists have pursued different paths, including Sabrina Francis, who channels her work through pop, soul, and R&B. The music on the radio is soca, calypso, dancehall, nothing that I do. And um, I grew up in a little wooden house, didn't have electricity at the time. Something very simple, rootsy, down-to-earth type of living. My mom used to be a singer, actually. At home, she would write really jazzy stuff, really R&B, soul-influenced music, which is what I really pull inspiration from today. After being spotted at a gospel concert by Swiss entrepreneur Dieter Burkhalter, who became her manager and musical collaborator, Sabrina Francis began carving a niche for herself. Her early recording, This Is Home, adopted as a theme song for the Pure Grenada Festival. 2014, I released a song called This Is Home. We put it up on YouTube, and then it kind of like did a thing here in Grenada. It's like the second anthem now. Grenada is 100,000 people, but I think we have so many more living outside of Grenada. And I was kind of thinking on the perspective of someone who was living away for a very long time, and then they finally came home to rest or to settle. But when I wrote that song, I had never been on a plane before. You never stop believing, you never stop preaching, you never let to see me cry while I'm learning, but you got the one for lying how I'm growing, you forever tried, you never gave me back to the other side, I know I'm grateful that you never, no, you never, you never, 
In addition to winning over local audiences, Sabrina has since toured Europe a few times and collaborated with African performers, including Young Mbazo, the South African vocal group formed by Joseph Shabalala's grandson. I incorporate African styles in the music I do, so I do a fusion of African-Caribbean pop, a mix of the three. And we decided to take an inspirational trip to South Africa and Mozambique. And I'm awake, yeah, that was with a group called Young Mbazo, which is like a second generation of Baby Smith back Mbazo. And they were really awesome. And South Africa feels a lot like Grenada, interestingly. Sabrina's Treehouse concerts have become go-to events on the island. Delivered in an intimate setting on the slopes of Mount Agnes in eastern Grenada, they were stimulated by the confines of the pandemic with positive results. After coming out of 2020, I felt like we really had to fight to stay active because everything was really trying to shut creativity down. So in 2021, I felt like a new motivation was awakened and I committed myself to releasing at least one song every month for at least the first six to 10 months until I went on tour. And the very first song that I released was a song called Million Moments. It was such a beautiful year, 2021. A lot of work and a lot of growth. And so I really wanted to put those songs into a body of work, to have it like a something to hold on to from that year. said, learn to swim and don't you drown. Cause mama been swimming since her, her dawn. Mama said, take up your cross and follow him. And let the good Lord save you from your sin. So pray for your son, pray for your son, pray for your son, pray for your son. Sabrina Francis is part of a new generation of Grenadian artists making music on their own terms. Pray for Your Son by Jefferson Ramirez is a moving single inspired by the Black Lives Matter movement that also stays far from Soka. Tipped for a crossover breakthrough, he is currently recording in Nashville. And as Grenada's music continues to evolve, human rights lawyer Deacon Mitchell prepares to challenge Keith Mitchell in the potentially momentous elections of June 23rd, as Wendy Grenade explains. I think Deacon Mitchell brings a refreshing kind of politics to Grenada. 
What I'm seeing with Econ Mitchell is a lawyer who understands public policy, whether it's about climate change or health. I heard him say recently, why can't PT Martinique become a hub for renewable energy for the Grenadines? That's a big idea. Not since Maurice Bishop have I heard a politician bring big ideas to politics. And he is not attacking the NNP or Dr. Mitchell, but he comes with a pro-Grenada agenda that is healthy for democracy. How do we take Grenada from where it's at now to ensure that every little girl or boy finds hope and wants to live in this place? I have listened to him and I see a leader that has potential not just to win an election, but for a transformative agenda. Now what's next for Grenada's music and culture? As artists pursue their own destinies, further innovation in jab-jab soca and new hybrid forms make the future look increasingly bright. Mama said, learn to swim and don't you drown. Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art and PRX affiliate stations around the U.S. And now more than ever, thank you for supporting your public radio station. Thanks to everyone who participated in this program and to Bentley Thomas, founder of the Kariaku Parang Festival, Neil Bessie Mathison of the Kariaku Culture Train String Band Group, and Rina Mills of the Grenada Tourism Authority for contextual information. Eunice Sandy David of the Integrity Commission Grenada, Chief Cultural Officer Thomas Matthew and Dexter Mitchell of Made in Grenada for helping with artist access. Dieter Burkhalter and Jenna Koniga of Treehouse Concerts and Devin Nels of Le Far Bleu for further connections and for making space for a few interview tapings. Visit afropop.org for more information on the music and culture of Grenada. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. And don't forget to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by David Katz. Don't forget to join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief photo engineer is Michael Jones. This program was mixed at Studio 44 in Brooklyn by Zubin Hansler. Additional production by GC at the Syncopated Lair in Washington, D.C. Benning Air and C.C. Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Mukwai Wabisiolwe. And I'm Georges Collinet. Pray for your soul, cause I really need some help.